0: We have to let the audience know that we've sat in their chair, we've stood in their footprints, like we have been there and we know their pain and we wallow in their pain and we tell them how that pain we had ourselves and then what we did to get out of it and then the outcome of where we're at now. We want the audience members to think, oh, she understands me. We all, you know, I think as humans, we all want to be understood. And she's been where I've been. And if I could just follow her path, I could get to where she's at now, which is where I want to be.
1: Hey, welcome to the Healthy Steps with Nicole podcast, where it is my goal to help you see what is possible for your business, for your life, and for the sales that are going to get you there. Get ready to be inspired and supported while you launch and grow your health and wellness business. I'm Nicole Kramer, coach, sales expert, and health and wellness fanatic. Each week, I will be having amazing guest experts that will share with us their knowledge on mindset, money, how to attract your dream clients, successfully close sales, and so much more. Selling doesn't have to be hard. You can have the confidence and the clarity you need to create and grow your dream business. Hello, it is your host, Nicole Kramer here, sales coach for female health and wellness entrepreneurs. And I am so excited as the host of this podcast to bring you our guest here today, Sue Clement. She is a masterclass conversion expert And boy, does Sue have some amazing things to share with you today about masterclasses, how to facilitate them. And of course, because you know me, we're going to weave in some really good sales conversations in here as well, because Sue is also a sales master. So I'm excited for her to share everything that she's going to share today. And you are going to be completely wowed by the end of this episode. So Sue, thank you so much for being here.
0: I am so excited. Nicole, every time we get together, we jam out so well, so this should be a lot of fun. (laughs) I know. I love our conversations, and I'm so excited now that my community
1: gets to um, be present for one of them and and hear all the value that I know that you're going to share and that we will jam out on, because if there's anything I've learned from our conversations
0: is we both share a love for sales. Absolutely. I mean, that's what makes the world go round, and if you can't sell, you shouldn't be in
1: business. Yeah, it's, it's so true. It's, it's something that um, I even said earlier today to one of my clients, I was like, you're not in a coaching business, you're in a business. And if you're in a business, you're in the business of sales. Right? Like, you might be a coach, but you own a business. And if you're a business owner, you're selling, whether it's your energy, your time, your
0: enthusiasm, your services, you're, you're always selling. And, you know, in life, we always are. I mean, if we talk, we talk about getting relationships and dating, we're selling ourselves. We're You know, we're, we're kind of needing to put our best foot forward. We're interviewing the person. I mean, like sales yep. is like we breathe it every day.
1: We do. We oh. do. Even just from the basic standpoint of like if you're going to see a movie with a friend, you're like, which mm-hmm. movie do we want to see? And you're probably trying to sell the friend on which movie you want to see. Of course. Of yeah. course. Yeah. yeah. S- selling is always happening. And I think that that is... Um, something that people don't understand and they they look at selling as like this this you said it you know a little bit ago it's like this slimy kind of um stigma that i i think gets attached to it
0: well i think also you know and there are some slimy kind of sales types of environments but i think it's the manipulation you know that we've all heard the phrase no one likes to be sold to but we love to buy yeah. and so as sales professionals we need to set it up so that we allow the people to buy from us That we don't feel like we're, you know, overtly trying to pitch them or force them or manipulate them into getting something that's not going to serve them. And so, of course, when we think about sales, it's always service over sales. You know, we want to serve first. And and then how we serve, though, is by being a great professional salesperson so that we can really help the, the prospect make the right decision for them. And hopefully it's with us. But even if it's not with us, we've done a better job if we've left them in a better place. That's one thing I I always say to people when I talk to them. My goal is to leave you in a better place than you were before you came. And that better place might be engaging my services, but it also could be for them to have more clarity about who else they should engage or what other things that they need to do. Sometimes they come looking to buy from me, but really they don't need my services. They don't need what I'm offering and that's serving them. So it's like, how can we serve them better? Yes. I love that. I want to
1: leave you in a better place by the end of this conversation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's I see so, that in every call. And it just, to me, it it diffuses the prospect from thinking, okay, I'm not going to be manipulated into doing something I don't want to do. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Because we want it really to be their choice. And that's, you know, that that's the art of, of selling, right? Is having the conversation in a way that allows them to feel that they are making the decision because they
0: are. hmm uh-huh. And so as a sales professional, it's our role to navigate them to that decision. Yeah. And that's yeah. really what selling is to me. It's it's about, you know, navigation of that. And part of that navigation is, you know, to uncover their problems, their pains, talk about the consequences of no action or the consequences of where they're at, and then give them some options or opportunities for them to move forward if they so choose to. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love that. It's it's um I heard somebody recently say the ask is, is a blessing. So so helping them see the opportunities and then having the courage to ask is is a blessing to the other person. And and it might not be, you know, aligned for them or the right fit, but if we've helped guide them through the conversation so that they're in a better place by the end or they know a little bit more or they have a little bit more direction about where they want to go, then that's the service that we're providing. Yeah.
0: And that kind of brings to what we we're just chatting before we went live here is about high low. You know, yeah. having that high intention but low expectation of the outcome. Like when we detach from the outcome, you know, that that's what makes the difference. I think if we come into the sale and we're desperate and we need the money and we're looking at prospect as a bag of cash, it's never going to set anybody up for proper conversation. So we have to have that low intention of the outcome. We have to be able to release ourselves from, you know, really having that expectation. And when we get rid of that attachment, that allows us to stand in service more readily. Yes. I love that. Did
1: everybody hear that? She said something that I think is such a beautiful acronym, high low, high intention. So your intention is to get in this conversation and serve, but low attachment because the outcome isn't actually in your control. Yeah. And I think that's where people, it can become, listen, it's discouraging to not have a sales call go the way you wanted it to go, but ultimately becoming attached to that is why you're feeling that way
0: yeah it becomes a win-lose situation then Mm -hmm. and you know we don't want to lose and the prospect doesn't want to lose and so we're all kind of clamoring to who's going to win and instead if we can have that you know the intention that we're going to stand in service for the client and offer or the prospect and offer them the best opportunity for them and help them uncover that clarity of it that's the win and so if we come from that I, you know, I talk about buyer's friction. It, to me, it reduces the friction of the sale. Mm-hmm. And when we reduce the friction, then we're more, we're more collaborative. We're more partnering rather than competing with the prospect for who's going to get the money. Yeah. I love yeah, that. So- who's going to keep the money. Do they get to keep it or do I get to get it? Right. You know? Do they buy
1: me my story or do I buy theirs? Like, right. Like somebody always gets sold and, and who's going to win here. And, and I like that. Um, I'd love to hear you talk more about the the sales friction, the buyer's friction, because I think that comes up a lot when somebody doesn't feel like they are making the decision or they're being asked to make a decision or or the person is, um, I don't want to use the, the, the word strong arming or, or convincing, but like when people, well, you said it a little bit ago, people don't like to be sold to, but they love to buy. And I think that has a lot to do with what we're talking about with this like buyer's friction. So
0: can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. And, you know, just when you just said that, when you reflected it back, it's about becomes a a game of control. Yes. Yes. That's where the friction comes up. Being sold to being buy, it becomes a sense of control. And, you know, as a buyer, you know, as a prospect, I want to have the control as after all of my money. But, you know, and but if the salesperson is trying to manipulate my control, it's not going to work. But buyer's friction for me is like when we work with my clients, um, you know, particularly when we're creating like a masterclass and the masterclass is designed for them to sell their services or products or courses or whatever, is that there's some things that you can do that creates friction and I can almost see it like that childhood game: hotter, hotter, colder, colder. You know. And so, like if you if you're doing something that's creating friction, the prospect is leaning back. Like they're like, nah, no, that's so, You know, it's diminishing their desire to purchase from you. So we want to always keep the friction down so that that's not a barrier for them to make the decision to work with you. Mm. That is, I love that because that friction comes up
1: when we are trying to be the ones in control.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, when we're trying to get on top, when we're trying to come, when we say something that sounds manipulative, Mm -hmm. uh, or controlling or directive or diminutive to the person, Mm -hmm. all of those things create friction. And you know, it's, it's crazy, because I'm probably some of you might be listening, and you're probably thinking, uh, okay, give me an example. But it's so nuanced. This is the crazy thing. It is so nuanced. There isn't like a real cut in place. Oh, do this. There's no formula for this. It is really about always perceiving what you're saying from the prospect's point of view. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we can vibe into whether it's creating friction or removing friction. Love that. Yeah. Seeing it from their point of view.
1: And and I think that comes with empathy. I think understanding how to connect, like truly connect with that person and and coming from a place of, of curiosity. Yes. Always. Right. Like that's one of the big things I think for me that made such a shift is when I became curious, instead of assuming that I knew why we were in that conversation. Yeah. And I just
0: jotted down curiosity over control. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. We're coming up with all kinds of good <laughs> stuff here, Sue. Everybody write that down. Everybody who's listening. Curiosity. I just have to write it down. In my notes. something. That's a good, that's a good article coming out of me. Right. I think, You're right. You that's know, good, when we call. come from curiosity, rather than trying to control or predict, or manipulate, it's just, it's more fun too. I mean, this is the thing is like when you can actually take off the cloak of, you know, I got to get the sale and put it away and just kind of, you know, interact and connect with the person, keep the high low in mind. Then you're really, serving them is so easy. And what happens is, is that they get the know, like, and trust factor. They begin to trust you. And, you know, they obviously know you because they're having a conversation, but the like and the trust really amplifies. And when we can amplify that trust, they're more likely to take, say yes to our offer. And yes, there's some things we can do that position our offer that makes it more palatable, um, that makes it easier for them to do it, you know. But ultimately, it's building that know, like, and trust. Yeah, yeah,
1: that makes a huge... It's everything. People buy from people they know, like, and trust. People buy from people, first and foremost, and they buy from people that they know, like, and trust. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, curiosity is, is a game changer in every way. It's what I teach in my... um in my courses and with my clients is approaching from that, from that energy of curiosity. Hey, it's Nick. Just imagine you know exactly what to say in all of your sales conversations. What would that feel like? What would that feeling be? What would it allow you to do? How would that change things for your business if you knew exactly what to say in your sales conversations? Because I want to help you with that. I want to teach you exactly what to say. And the good news is my next level sales group coaching program is getting a next level. And the next level of it is the exactly what to say methodology. I am an official certified guide of the exactly what to say body of work, and I am bringing it into my next level sales group coaching program. So if you have been looking for a group coaching program that is going to teach you your entire sales process, it's going to teach you how and where to start conversations and then from those conversations, you're going to know exactly what to say so that you're getting more clients from them. That's exactly what you're going to get inside of my next level sales group coaching program. In addition, you're going to get an amazing community of women who are on the path that you're on doing big, awesome things in this world. And you're going to get the support of that community and the coaching and guidance by me during this program. So that by the end of it, you are selling more packages, working with more clients, growing your business and making this world a healthier place. Go to the link in the show notes, click on it to get that information. I want to see you stepping into your next level. We start July 14th. If getting more clients is important to you, if knowing what to say in your sales conversations is important to you, if having a community of amazing women to support you on your journey is important to you, then my next level sales group coaching program is perfect for you. So go to the link in the show notes, click on it, get signed up, and I will see you on July 14th as you step into your next level. So I want you to share, you are a masterclass expert. I have learned so much from you about masterclasses. And although I could talk about sales all the live long day and and really masterclasses are, well, I'll let you share it. It's it's a way to sell. Um, I want you to share some of the things that I know are so powerful that people
0: want to learn about masterclasses. Sure. I mean, first of all, master classes is, is a leverage sales tool. Yeah. It's a conversion event. And so we have to think of it from that way. We're getting in front of a large number of our ideal prospects if we've done our marketing well enough. And from that point of view, is we have the opportunity to build no-like and trust. We have the opportunity to leave them in a better place because we're sharing some information that's valuable, so they're learning something. And then of course we get the leverage sale from it. So, you know, we build our authority, we build our influence, we build our visibility, and we build our our leads because it's a lead gen strategy where we get to move that person from a suspect to a prospect and and then hopefully to a client at the end of the day. Um, So, you know, when we think about masterclasses, it's just a leverage way to get clients in the sales process. It is a sales tool and we need to think of it from that point of view. You know, and I think a lot of people think, well, you know, we were just chatting about this earlier, Nicole, how webinars are meant to be sales and masterclasses are meant to train. And I'm just here to say that call it whatever you want. It's Mm -hmm. a conversion event Mm -hmm. and you should sell and train on both of them. And so it's really about what valuable information can you give the audience that positions you as a credible expert, leaves them in a better place. So that when you get to make your offer, and there's a bit of a journey in making that offer, but when you get to make your offer, you're more likely to move people into the yes side. Right. Yeah. I think that's a really,
1: and thank you for distinguishing masterclass, webinar, like whatever you want to call it. It's, it's really, it's a conversion event. And, and I also, I like to look at it as it's a nurturing opportunity.
0: Definitely. Yeah. You get to showcase yourself, right? You know, you get to, you get to inform and, you know, like a lot of people say, like masterclasses is not or you know, teach them the what and the why, but never the how. And I'm like, oh my god, don't do that. <laughs> you know, that was like. Oh, tell, tell us why. I, I like that you said that. Tell us why. So, and back in 2010, that was the real. You know, when master classes kind of evolved from the teleseminars to the master classes, uh, right? You know, the webinars in between that. Is that like webinars are you know, teach them the what and the why, but never the how? Because if you teach them the how, that's what they're buying. You right, know? That's, that's what they, they need to, to pay you for right they're paying for how yeah yeah they're you know teaching them talk about the problem talk about why they have the problem talk about the consequence problem talk about all that problem stuff Uh, but don't teach them anything because they'll that's what you're selling and i really don't stand in that arena i stand on the side of anyone who comes to masterclass from my point of view needs to leave with a small win Mm -hmm. they have to feel like they've gotten something of value that's going to make a difference because to me That's that removes friction. If I just teach you the what and the why and I don't tell you the how, then you're like looking at me going, well, I don't know if she really knows the answer. She talked about the problem. I've got the problem. I know the problem. I'm in the problem, but I don't know how to get out of it. And do I trust you enough to buy from you if you haven't told me anything about how you're going to help me get out of the problem? And so that's why I think it's really paramount that we do instruct we do give value that we give some tips we give some guidelines whatever it is but we do give content that's valuable for the person in the masterclass because that takes the friction down they're like going "Ooh, this person helped me and it builds that reciprocity you know it's like you've helped them and now they want to feel like they have to give back and that giving back off you know often is purchasing from you right so it's really important that we get into that mode that we actually do share valuable information Now we don't want to give it all because when it comes to content and this is often you know if you ask me what is the biggest mistake people make on doing masterclasses is it the content piece let's not neglect that too little people go away feeling frustrated angry and they don't trust you Mm -hmm. too much though you can kill yourself. And that's what I used to do. I don't think I ever shared with it, this with you, but, you know, back, I guess, in 2004 or 2006 or whatever, I used to do free evening seminars. And I put two to 300 people in a hotel room. And I would train them. And it was like Las Vegas buffet of information. Because yeah. I would take them up the buffet line and down the buffet line of information. I'd keep, you know, oh, and there's this and there's this. And it became like this, you know, university degree course in two hours kind of thing almost. And then I'd waltz out at the end on the stage with my little metaphorical, do you want to buy my cheesecake? <laughs> and people are like going, there, gagging. They're like, I'm so full of information. Mm-hmm. I have enough here that I'm just gonna go home and maybe six months from now after consume all this, I might come back and buy from you. So over informing people is also a huge mistake. So it's that fine balance of giving them enough that they feel fed, that they trust you, that they see that there's more, and they're more likely to buy from me. So friction can go both ways of having too much
1: or not enough. Yeah. That's such a good point too. Cause you know, the objection you get when you give that too much is I have everything I need. I'm good. Yeah. I don't need anything from you. And or I'm gonna go make a go of this on my own. Thank you so much for everything you've given me. And so there's that delicate balance between and and to the other end of it if they're sitting there and all you've done is revealed the problem and shared the problem and not really given them any hows at all, they're like, great. You already just showed me something that I know I'm in. <laughs> I know yeah. I'm here and it doesn't and feel good frustrated. <laughs> and, and I'm, exactly. I'm frustrated. You've amplified what I already am aware of. And, uh, and, and I think it severs the trust because then they're like, well, what would you give me inside of your free program or
0: paid program? If, if you're not really giving me any substance here. People need to know what you know. They need to, you, you have to position yourself as that credible authority. Mm-hmm. And what a better way of doing that than giving the audience some ahas that makes them feel like, holy crap, this is really good. This is valuable. But don't overfeed them. And the other mistake around content, too, is often people go, I don't know what to do my master class on. And so they think, well, oh, I can just go teach Blank. Mm-hmm. and it doesn't align with your offer. So this is one of the real important conversion secrets, and I'll share this now so everyone kind of gets this. Um, it's my PSPS model. And so what we have to do is, you know, the Stephen Covey, begin with the end in mind. And so before you think about what your masterclass should be on, you have to think about what are you offering? What, is, what are you going to sell at the end of it? So is it a course or program, a, you know, whatever it is? So when we think of the offer at the end, that's the last S, right? That's the solution. And then we have to think about who am I gonna sell that to, right? Who do I wanna sell my program to? And so then we have to think about what problems those people have. So that's the last PS. And then we kind of reverse engineer backwards to say, okay, well, if I wanna sell this program to these people, what small problem do they have that might be in front of the offer? right? Or a piece of the offer that I could do the masterclass on. And so then we go from the beginning, we think, well, okay, this is the the small problem that I'm going to solve in this masterclass because remember, I always said people have to come away with a small win. So Mm -hmm. the masterclass needs to be about the small problem. They come to the masterclass and they get the solution of that small problem. But also during that masterclass, you need to uncover the next big problem, which, of course, your offer then will solve. And when you can get that in alignment and the congruency is there, that's what makes the biggest impact to leading your audience from a sense of coming for the problem. They're the right audience because that small problem is part of the bigger problem that you're going to sell your offer to. So you know you're attracting the right people. You're giving them the small win. So you're building credibility and authority. Mm-hmm. And then you uncover that next offer, the next problem. And then they go, well, yes, I have that. Now I want to even fix it more. And then you make your offer. That congruency will help your conversion rates incredibly. So don't just go willy nilly and pick some random topic that you want to do a masterclass on. You want to make sure that it works with the formula of PSPS. Got
1: it. So it's a lead in. So, so the PSPS, if we were to look at it visibly, would be a small P, small S. And then a big yeah. big S. Yeah. You because can you want to way. solve a small, pro- or you want to have, what's the small problem? And mm-hmm. then what's the small solution for that? And then what's the bigger problem that's attached to that? And the bigger solution that now they need to buy from me because I've de- delivered a quick win.
0: Absolutely. And when we make sure that both of those problems solve it to the right, the same person you know mm-hmm. and I, I learned I mean I learned all these things the hard way like I'd go out there and I would teach something because I could teach it and then I would go on and make an offer and there was a disconnect mm-hmm. and I'd be so heartbroken but nobody bought but the, they were half the time the wrong people in the room mm-hmm. that weren't even in the market to buy what I was trying to sell mm-hmm. or the problems didn't line up and so that PSPS is so critical And it's, you know, if we think ahead and we plan it out that way, then our masterclass is that conversion event. It does make sense then. Right. So my community is health
1: and wellness people. That's who is typically listening to this podcast. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but could we come up with maybe an example of the small, small problem, small solution that might lead to a bigger one somewhere in the in the world of health and wellness?
0: Okay, so let's narrow it down. What type of health and wellness? Like, give me a problem, give me an ideal client avatar and what would someone would be selling at the end? Because we always wanna start with, what am I ultimately selling? And then right. we can reverse it down, we can make a right. deal.
1: So maybe it's a program for healing the gut.
0: Okay, all right. So if I'm selling a program for healing the gut, then I need people who have whatever gut issues or mm-hmm. symptoms that people have, which I don't know, but okay, I need that. So maybe um, then this, we need to start with that problem. So you might be able to help me with this. So what type of problems do those people who want to heal their gut have? Mm -hmm.
1: Bloating, discomfort, indigestion, cramping, pain, uh, low energy, feeling
0: just lethargic. Perfect. So I could use, I could do a masterclass on any one of those little things you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I could do one on feeling lethargic. Mm-hmm. And so people who are feeling lethargic might come, they might not know that they have a gut issue, but they mm-hmm. might come because they've been feeling like you're throwing out the symptom. Mm-hmm. And so I come because I want to solve feeling lethargic. And then you give me a couple of ideas of how to, why I'm feeling lethargic and what I can do to improve it. And Oh, guess what? It's really not leth- lethargy. <laughs> lethargy. I was <laughs> a speech impediment as a kid and it's showing up today. <laughs> it's not really that it's really your gut issue. Mm-hmm. Because I bet if you have lethargy, I can't even say the word anymore. Right? <laughs> if, if you have that, if you are bet, lethargic? I bet. Thank you. If you, I can do that one, if you are lethargic, I bet you also might be bloated, and I bet you also might be blah 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 blah. And then, then there's this little checklist, and I'm thinking, oh my god, I have all these other things. Then I then I it validates that it's not the lethargy, lethargic. <laughs> Should know. we make it a better one? I know, right? It's not it's that the low the, energy. It's the... <laughs> it's not the low energy. That's where we started. That was easier. It's not the low energy. Like you've sold that. You've given me some insights in that. But the insight, the biggest insight and gift for me is to recognize that, oh, there's a bigger problem here than I thought. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I'm now more aware and self-aware. Part of sales for me is, can we get the client to be problem aware? Jot that mm-hmm. one down. because. Mm-hmm when the client gets problem aware, that removes the friction, that's an important piece of it. So the client comes because they're tired. I'm not even going to say the L word. They come because they're tired. And the ultimate thing is they now understand that there's more than meets the eye. They now understand the bigger problem to it. And when they understand the bigger problem, when you roll out your offer at the end, they're like, oh yeah, hell oh, yes, I'm interested. I'm in. Yeah, I I think it's almost like
1: that footstool example that we were talking about, or not the footstool, but the fabric protection example that we were talking about, Mm like, can you create that awareness of the actual problem or the need, so that they are aware, instead of you trying to convince them that they need something that they haven't really bought into, because they're busy thinking they don't need it, they don't see the problem. Totally. Hey, I'm interrupting you real quick because I know you're enjoying this podcast and I know you're listening to this podcast because you care about your business. You care about the people you work with and you want to help people. As a matter of fact, you want to help more people, but I bet you often ask yourself, where am I going to find clients? And I've got your answer. watch it. I can't wait to hear from you and hear what you think about it, because this is going to be a game changer for you to know every day where you need to go and what you need to do to find more people to become your clients.
0: Okay. Now back to the show. You know, you, I shouldn't say you can't sell something, but you know, ultimately it's really hard to sell something. It becomes manipulation and coercion if you're trying to sell something that the client's not problem aware. Mm -hmm. And so Always that's the one of the friction removers is how can we, how can we inform or educate or lead the client to the understanding that they have, they understand the problem and the consequence of the problem. I mean, in my close sequence in the masterclass, like we don't just teach. Right. And then sell. Mm -hmm. There's a journey that we need to take the client through at the end. Mm -hmm. And part of that really is them understanding is like, what's the problem and and where they could go with it and what they need to what they need to do, the consequences of it and how they need to get past that and what's possible for them. Because when people hook into that possibility of what you're offering, they're more likely to want to buy at that point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The possibility is a bit. It's like like helping them see that possibility, helping them see the problem where they're at. And then, so the problem awareness is huge. And then here's what's possible for you. The solution where I always like to say people want to buy a better version of themselves and they see it in you when you show and reveal that possibility through your story, through how you show up. And that possibility is what makes them attracted to you and the work that you do. Totally. Totally. Yeah. But that also creates buyer's friction to your point. If you don't also share that you know the problem as well. Because if all you're doing is saying, look, you can do this, you can do this, there, there's no trust there. They don't buy that. They're like, I don't believe that's possible for me. Unless I know you also have familiarity with the problem
0: that I'm in right now. Yeah, and, you know, that goes to my opening sequence when we start the masterclass. When we introduce ourselves, we do not want just to talk about how fabulous we are. Mm -hmm. We absolutely need to have our hero's journey story mapped up. And the better you do at this, that just drops the friction. They're more leaning in to believe you because that's the now you position yourself that authority is that we have to let the audience know that we've sat in their chair. We've stood in their footprints like we have been there. And we've, you know, we know their pain and we wallow in their pain and we tell them how that pain we had ourselves and then what we did to get out of it. And then the outcome of where we're at now. We want the audience members to think, oh, she understands me. We all, you know, I think as humans, we all want to be understood. She understands me and she's been where I've been. And if I could just follow her path, I could get to where she's at now, which is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I sat in chairs and I bought from people because I believe that they made that journey and I want to make that journey too. Mm-hmm. And that's the hero's journey story is so paramount. And i just, you know, sometimes some people are teaching something that they haven't experienced. Mm-hmm. Like I have an example, in one of my last uh, masterclass programs, I had an accountant and she goes, Sue, I've always filed my taxes on time. <laughs> Do. I, I'm a hardwired number person. I've been doing spreadsheets and cash flow projections <laughs> since I was like 12. And, you know, so she didn't have that. I didn't file my taxes. I didn't understand accounting. I was paying to, she never had that story. And so she goes, What do I do? Mm-hmm. And I go, Well, if that's you, then what you can do is you can do it vicariously to one of your clients. So she told the story of one of her clients and how she helped the client through that story. So you can kind of shift it over that way. But the audience needs to believe that you understand both sides of that problem.
1: Such a good, uh, such a good point. I just had that conversation this morning with a woman who she wants to work with people who live in bigger bodies. And I asked her, I said, have you ever lived in a bigger body? And she said, no, I haven't. And she said, and that's where I feel like um challenged. And I said, well, tell me your story of why this is important to you.
0: Uh-huh. She had a
1: younger sibling who, Through a series of events, had um, some health things come up, and uh, ended up being in a in a bigger body. And the compassion she developed through the love of her sibling, and seeing how she wanted to be able to help her sibling, is now her her mission and her vision. And I said, that's it. That is. You don't have to have been the one who who experienced it. You have a connection to it. You have a story. That's it. And it was like eye opening for she's like, that's it. That's my connection. And the, it, to your point, that's exactly it. It's how have you helped someone else if it hasn't been you? Yep. And and what is that story?
0: But you have to make sure you include that in. And a lot of yep. people like she might have just come from of a, a you know, I, I'm really great and I did all this training and I have the certification and blah, 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 blah. Right. And I can help. And the bigger body people will be looking at you like, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, you yeah. have no clue. <laughs> nope. and, you know, nope. being a bigger body person myself, I'm like going, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Anyways, but, well, and I always use the example
1: and, and um, you know, because a lot of times people are like, who am I to help somebody with this? Who am I? Like, I, I didn't have my own shit together. Like, who, and I said, well, who, if you know that you're struggling with alcoholism, who do you think is better equipped to help you? Somebody who's hit rock bottom and has figured out how to how to clean up and get their life together or somebody who's never had an issue with alcohol? They don't have a connection to your story, to what you've been through. And while you might look at them and think, wow, they've never drank and I want to be that person, but like they don't, they don't have a way to relate to what you've gone through. And so ultimately that story, that hero's journey is what helps people see that it is possible for them because you've been where
0: they are or you've helped somebody Hmm. where they are. You have to have that connection, but you have to share it. And that's, that's really one of the things too, that removes friction is the audience needs to. Feel like you're a credible expert and that you can help them because you've either helped yourself or you've helped somebody else really intimately.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the most powerful things I've learned from you in the the masterclass is like it's not just teaching and then selling. It's weaving in the entire time that you're teaching instances, Mm -hmm. examples of either how you've helped yourself or helped other people so that they feel connected to your story. Because as we know, the story is what sells. Totally. And I just think that's such an eye opener. Do you want to do you want to share
0: on that? Yeah. You know, the the point I want to make is from a masterclass perspective is that we're selling from the first words we say, because I always start with two engaging questions. And there's a couple of things that I always look at all the way through. And the first thing is, obviously, we talked about removing friction. So reducing buyers friction or making sure that we're not elevating it. But the the other piece that we really want to do is we are selling all the way through. And so it's like we're silently selling, we're not pitching. Like, even in my opening sequence, we position the offer. We don't make the offer, but we position at the very beginning as a promise. And then when we get to the end, when we fulfill on that promise, then we can unapologetically sell. So that's kind of a cool way of doing it. But also, even in our the content pieces, like the content isn't just like three steps to number one, number two, number three. We want to silently sell through them where we're sharing our client testimonials but not smacking the audience in the face. you know a lot of people they'll do like they'll do the training and then they'll throw up the slide with Susie's face and a little like Susie did this, this, and this, and got this result. You can do one or two of those, but you know if you do any more than that, the audience it's friction they thought, yeah, she's selling to me It feels like I'm being sold to, and as soon as they feel like they're being sold to, they're stepping back from me. So instead, what we want to do is this is a this is a great writer downer technique, too, is when you have a content piece, one of the easiest ways to weave the set, the story into the content, because the more we can blend them, the better it will be in the sense of our conversion. But one of the things that we really love to do is we might before we mention what the content piece is, it's like how many of you blank, blank, blank have this big problem or have experienced this blank, blank, blank challenge? And you get them people in the chat to you know or if they're doing it live, you can do master classes live because of presentations, but get them in the you know get them to raise their hand or type one in the chat if they have so they're they're like you're talking about the problem, and you go, yeah, you know my client, so people need to know that you have clients, my client Mary had this problem, and then you wallow in Mary's problem, you really get into you know, what she was experiencing and what she was losing out on and what she, the consequences were. So you don't just say, my, my client Mary had this problem and we this is what we did. We actually want to wallow in it because we want the audience to go, oh my God, that's me. As long as, as soon as they can say that's me, then you've made your point. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then you go, And there's three things I did with Mary or one thing or whatever it was, but there's three things I did with Mary. And you want to write these down. Those are the magical words because now we're shifting into training. You want to write these down. Mm -hmm. And then we move into the training, what we did with Mary. And then at the end, you go, and after Mary applied this information that I shared with her or coached her or whatever your wording is, this is what Mary, uh, where Mary is today. So then we talk about the outcome of Mary. So we've actually taken the audience on this journey of wallowing with them, to, sh- to educating them, to then proving how that content would af- affected Mary. And you can loop it back by close the loop by saying, now when you apply these things, you can get similar results as Mary. Mm-hmm. And that's really a cool way to sell without selling. It sounds like you're telling the story and you're giving content and yet you are selling all the way through. And the other thing too, in all of this is one of the the last little nuances of selling is you want to pre-sell your objections. Mm -hmm. We always want to think about what are the biggest objections we're getting from, from prospects. And we want to put those into the story. And sometimes it's like one sentence. I could tell a similar story about Mary and I could say, yeah, she was so reluctant to invest in herself. She just didn't think she was worth it and talk about not spending money. And then, you know, but she took the big step and did. And then at the end she gets this big outcome. I take it back by saying, and she thought that was the best investment in herself that she's ever put out. Mm-hmm. Now I just said those words, like there was like maybe 20 words, not even and two pieces. Mm-hmm. And I've actually told you that the value of investing in yourself. So I'm knocking down that objection. Right. Through a story. Through a story. And people and, are
1: very willing to listen to a story. And just a sentence. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, we're so ingrained with stories from childhoods. When we get together with friends, what are we doing? We're swapping stories about what happened this week or what we did. And yeah. We're always sharing stories. And so when we can teach through stories and sell through stories, mm-hmm. people don't feel sold to.
1: Well, cause I think what the, and I love that you said that cause the most powerful thing about a story is it gets people feeling.
0: Yeah, and- it, it, well, it's memorable, it's repeatable. <laughs> they live through it vicariously. And, you know, that's what they'll remember more than the three content pieces. Yep. They'll remember that somebody got this and they got that and, you know, they did this thing. <laughs> yep. Yep. They'll tell their friends that piece of it more than just, even if you just teach straight, straight on content.
1: Yep. And it it will remind them how it made them feel and people buy with how they feel. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Love that. Oh my gosh, Sue, this was so, so powerful. I literally could, and I know you know this, because every time you and I get on a call, we could go on and on and on. I just love and adore talking to you and you have so much value to share. And now speaking of that, I know you have something else to share with our audience that is absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah. So for those of you who would like to have a leverage selling approach, then I'm going to invite you to to opt in and get my free gift. My gift is my money-making masterclass blueprint. And it actually outlines the whole structure of a masterclass from my opening sequence, from where I said we start selling from the beginning, but my opening sequence to positioning your content and selling through content. And then the closing sequence, which to me is pure magic. Because the closing sequence is really just mirroring almost a sales conversation. But You know, we just don't teach and then sell, make an offer. But there's some things we need to do that precede the offer that remove the friction and get people to buy. I mean, I had a client recently said to me when she pulled the format, she goes, "Oh my God, people couldn't wait to get my offer." She goes, "They've never done that before," and so when we set it up right, people are eager to hear your offer, and that's really the goal. And when you do that, you're you convert way more. Love that. And where can they
1: find, because this sounds incredible. This is like a complete outline for how to run a masterclass.
0: Where can they find that? Simple. SueClement.com forward slash gift, G-I-F-T. Wow. Come get your gift. Come get
1: your gift and go start those masterclasses, share value, get connection from people by sharing the stories, weave those in and uh, really use that as an opportunity to nurture people into the opportunity to say yes to what you're offering. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you so, so much, Sue, for being here. Um, like I said, I, I always love talking to you and this has been no different. It's just been amazing. And now my community gets to benefit from it as well. So thank you so much for being here and sharing so much with us. Thanks for having me. As usual, it was a blast. Yes, I know. I had so many. We'll have to have you on again soon. This has been tremendous. So thank you.
0: All right. Thanks. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye, everybody.